0: You were listening to the First Baptist Church Martin podcast. For more information on our church, visit fbcmartin.org. If you got your Bible, let me invite you to turn with me to First Peter chapter two this morning. First Peter chapter two. It's toward the latter part of the New Testament, comes right before 2 Peter, if that helps anybody, but 1 Peter and then the second chapter this morning. We started something new last week. Uh, We're we're talking about things that we can do uh, at the beginning of this year to help us all take one big step forward in our relationship to God, to help us become more like Christ, to help us to grow in godliness. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about are spiritual disciplines. The things that we're going to be talking about on these Sunday mornings together are disciplines, things that we should practice, things that we should build into our lives that will help us grow in godliness. And understand that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. This is not the new, the latest fad that's coming down the pipe. This is not something new that someone has come up with. What we're going to be talking about are timeless truths that God has revealed to us in His Word. God has told us how to grow. God wants us to grow. God's will for your life as a believer is that you would grow in Christ, that you would mature in Christ, that you would become like Christ. And God has supplied all that you need for that to happen. But you've got to put into practice the things that God has given to you. You've got to discipline yourself and commit yourself to do the things necessary to grow in Christ. And so we're going to be talking about what those things are that we must do in order to grow in Christ. And this morning, we're going to talk about our relationship to God's Word. That if we're going to grow in Christ, we must read and study the Word of God. And this is what Peter's talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Would you stand with me this morning in honor of our Lord and the reading of His Word to us today? Peter says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord... Is gracious, and Father. We thank you for your word today, and as as has already been prayed this morning, we pray again. Holy Spirit, move, speak, uh, Lord. I pray that as your word goes forth, it would fall upon good soil this morning. That it would take root in our life. That it would bear fruit in our life to the glory of your great name. Lord, change us. We pray. Make us more like Christ this year and show us this morning how your word makes that possible. And so, Lord, we're ready to hear from you. You speak and we give you all the praise for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. So Peter is writing here to Christians in the first century who were living... Uh, in or they were on the threshold of uh, some intense persecution in their life. Something unlike anything they had ever experienced before. Many of these Christians are going to suffer greatly and they're going to lose much, all because of their relationship to Jesus. And Peter was concerned about them, believing that many of these believers were not ready to face the challenges that they were about to experience for Christ's sake. He was concerned that many of them were spiritually immature, that they'd not grown up in Christ as they should. And because of that, their faith was weak and unstable. So the purpose of Peter's letter here is to encourage these believers in the faith by reminding them of their hope in Christ and also, he calls them throughout this letter into a deeper relationship with Christ so that they would not only be able to withstand the persecution and the challenges and the sufferings that they were about to experience, but so they could also present a convincing witness for Christ in the midst of their circumstances. And one of the keys, Peter knows, to them growing in Christ and becoming more like Christ, and being able to withstand everything that was going to come against them in this world, was for them to be in the Word of God. He knew that they needed to be reading and studying and growing in the Word of God. And that's what he's talking about here in these opening verses of chapter 2. Now, as Peter writes to them in these three verses, there are two things this morning I want us to focus on. And the first is this. I want us to look at what Peter has to say about every believer's desire. Every believer should have a strong desire in his or her life for the Word of God. Every believer. Now, go back and look at what he says here, beginning with verse 1. He says, therefore... Now, if you have... Uh, been a student of God's Word, been around the church uh, any length of time at all, then perhaps you know that whenever you see this word in Scripture, the word therefore, it almost always takes you back to what has been said previously. And so in this case, it takes us back to chapter 1. And if you go back to chapter 1, you know that Peter begins this letter by reminding these believers of the hope that is theirs in Christ, that they have a living hope, that God has promised them something more and something better beyond this life. But now, for a little while, as long as you're in this world, Peter says to them, you are going to experience sufferings of various kinds for Christ's sake. You're going to go through various trials. Life is not always going to be easy, but understand that God is at work even in the midst of your trials to refine your faith and make you more like Christ. In other words, when the heat gets turned up in your life and things get really hard in this world, God uses that to reveal the impurities of our faith and the dross kind of comes to the surface so that God can remove that because what God desires in the end is to see in your life a perfect reflection of Himself. And so God uses your trials to help make that happen. But God also uses His Word to make that happen in our life. And at the end of chapter one, Peter reminds us of the power of God's Word. He reminds us that it's because of God's Word that you and I are even saved. Because God took His Word and used His Word to give us life. It's through the Word of God. Somebody came and shared with us The truth of the gospel, and that's what the Word of God is all about. The Word of God is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that even though we are sinners deserving of nothing but judgment and punishment from God, God in His love for us sent His Son into this world to die for us so that through Him we could be forgiven of our sin, reconciled to God, and have this hope and promise of eternal life. That's the message of Scripture. That's what the Bible is all about. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the story of God. It's the story of God's redemption. It's the story of how God has chosen to redeem sinners to Himself. And so when you want to know what the Bible is all about, the Bible is all about Jesus. The Bible is all about God's salvation that has been sent into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to rescue you and I from our sins. Now somebody came and shared that message with us. They didn't tell us everything about the Bible. We certainly didn't know everything that the Bible says, but somebody came and told us the basic message of the Bible, that God has sent His Son into the world to die for our sins. And when we heard that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believed that. And when we believed, God took His Word and used it to give us new life. We were born again, Peter says, as a result of God's Word being planted in our life. Listen, folks, this is not just some other book that has been written by men. This is the Word of the living God. It is alive. It is powerful. It is the only book that has the power to give life. And that's exactly what happened when you and I believe the Word of God, when we believe the message of Jesus Christ. We were made new. And Peter says, because of that, therefore, because you have been made new by the power of God's Word, Lay aside, therefore, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now, this list of sins that he gives us here in verse 1 are just a few of the sins that we are all guilty of. But the point that he's making is this, that when God saved us, God called us to leave behind our old life Because he's called us into a new life now in Christ. Remember, we have been made new. We are a new creation. God has a new purpose for our life, a new plan for our life. And though these things may have been true of our past, they certainly shouldn't be true of our present. And yet, for many of these believers to whom Peter was writing, that was not the case. They were still stuck. They were still living the same life they used to live before they ever knew Christ. They weren't growing. And as a result of that, some of them obviously were still filled with malice. Malice is to have hatred in your heart toward another person. It's the desire for evil to fall upon another person because you don't like them or because they've done something to you. It's the desire to see uh, uh, a person get what's coming to them. And there's some of us who still live that way. We still have those kinds of feelings inside of us. He talks about all deceit, uh, the struggle, the problem with not being able to tell the truth all the time, the struggle with, with being honest in every circumstance, in every situation, no matter what the cost. Instead, many of them, as is true with many of us, we find ourselves oftentimes Not telling the whole truth, telling a lie here and there. We struggle being honest. Then he talks about here, uh, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something that you're not. And for many of us, even when we come to church, we put on this facade. We want people to think that we're at a certain place in our relationship with God when behind the mask, we know that that's not true, that we're at a completely different place, that we're not what we present ourselves to be. And then he talks about here uh, envy, jealousy of others, looking around and never being content in your own life with what God has given you, always looking around and seeing what other people have and wanting what they have for yourself. And then he talks about evil speaking, and that could be speaking evil of others, gossiping about others, talking evil about others behind their back or even to their face. It could also talk a, be, be a, a reference to any kind of foul language, a filthy mouth. And if we're to be honest here, just like with these believers, that's exactly where a lot of us are this morning in this room. Even though we profess Christ, when we look at our life, our life is still characterized by many of these same sins that we were guilty of before we ever believed. And the reason for that is because we're not growing in our faith. We're just stuck spiritually at the same place we, we were when we first believed. And that's not God's will for your life. And that's what Peter's saying. This is not God's will for your life. God didn't save you so that you could just stay where you are. God didn't save you so you could just keep repeating the same sins that you were guilty of in the past. God's called you to something better. God's called you to something new. And so you need to lay this stuff aside. And that word lay aside is a picture here of tearing off soiled garments in order to put on something new. And it's interesting that this is a picture that's given to us in other places in the New Testament of what we as believers are supposed to do in Christ. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Get get rid of the, the sins that used to characterize your past and who you were before Christ And become who you are now in Jesus. But Peter knows that for that to happen, believers have to be in the Word of God. You see, because the Spirit of God is the one who takes the Word of God and uses it to bring about this transformation in our life from the inside out. Even though we have been made new, in order for the new man to come out in our life and for us to live like Christ and be like Christ, the Spirit of God is to take the Word of God and use it in our life to bring that transformation out. And so he says here, like newborn babes, you should be desiring the pure milk of God's Word. If you've been truly saved, if you're born again, And just like a newborn babe, there should be a hunger and a desire in your life for the Word of God. Here's the thing it's it's no coincidence or mistake why Peter gives gives us this imagery. Because what Peter's saying is that when a a baby comes into the world, nobody has to teach that baby to be hungry. That's instinctive, That, 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 that comes naturally, it's a part of being alive. The child's got to eat. If it's going to survive, it's got to eat. And so instinctively, the child is hungry. Now, the child may not know what he or she is hungry for, and so someone has to introduce them to nourishment. Somebody's got to introduce them to the milk, but at least they know they're hungry. And there's something instinctively within that child that desires to be fed, that desires to be nourished because the child instinctively, because it's alive, wants to grow. And the same thing should be true for every believer. I'm telling you this morning that if you are saved this morning, there should instinctively be within you the desire to grow in Christ. The desire to become more of who God would have you to be in Christ. And even though you may be alive this morning in Christ, and you have maybe stuck in your relationship with God. Nobody's ever told you this before. I'm telling you right now that that craving that you you have to grow, that desire that you have, that hunger that is within, can only be satisfied by the Word of God. The only way you're going to grow is to get into the Word of God. Just like a baby needs its mother's milk, every believer needs the Word of God in his or her life. We should long for that. We should want that. In fact, it's interesting, in verse 3, Peter says, this should be the case, especially for those who have tasted and know that the Lord is gracious. I mean, you've already tasted the grace of God in your life. but Don't you want more? Don't you want more of what He has to offer? More of of what He has for you in the Christian life? I mean, how many of you have ever been out to eat with someone You've been sitting across the table from them, and they order something that you didn't order, and you're sitting there, and you're watching them eat, and it looks, you know, it, it, it looks very appealing to the eye, and, 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 and this wouldn't happen if you were eating with me, I will tell you, but, but there are some people who are generous in this way who will see that, that longing look in your eye, and as they take a bite, they'll say, mmm, oh, wow, mmm. you need to taste this. Well, may I? Sure. Sure. Get a bite. And you taste that for yourself, and it is everything and more that you imagined it would be as you're sitting there and looking at them eat, and then once you taste that, is that, is that good enough? Do you just walk away and say, all right, well, that, that's all I wanted. No, probably not. Probably, if it's as good as Is that? You're probably going to say, hey, I want some more of that for myself. Let me tell you this morning. Some of you think it's wonderful and great just that God has forgiven your sins and that one day you're going to go to heaven. And indeed, that is wonderful. That is marvelous. But there's more. There's more to being a Christian than just that. God has more for you than just to forgive your sins and one day give you a ticket and a pass into heaven. God has something that He wants to do in you and something that He wants to do through you in this life. And you should long for that. If you have tasted and you know that the Lord is gracious, if you know the salvation of the Lord, there should be something inside of you that longs for that something more that God has for you, to know all of Christ that there is to know, to become more and more like Him. And I'm telling you, that will not happen apart from the Word of God. And so every believer should have a strong desire for God's Word. Now that leads me to the second thing that I want us to talk about this morning. And this is the main thing this morning. And that is that every believer should have a steady diet of God's Word. See, desire is not enough. It's not enough to long for. You've got to actually get into it. You've got to consume it for yourself. You've got to feast on the Word of God. So how do you do that? And a question that I often get is, how often should you do that? How often should a believer feast on the Word of God? How how often should we feed on the Word of God? How often do you need to read the Word of God and study the Word of God? And here's the answer. Every day. Now, I don't say that to be legalistic this morning, all right? I'm just being real. I'm just being honest with you. And if you really want to grow in your spiritual life, this year, if you really want to take a big leap forward, then you need in your life a steady diet of God's Word that has to go beyond just what you're getting when you come here on Sunday morning. John Blankard, who is now with the Lord, was a British preacher and a Christian apologist, and I want you to listen to what he said. John Blankard said, How often do we face... Problems and temptations and pressure. Every day. Well, then how often do we need instruction and guidance and greater encouragement in our life? Every day. And then he said this, to catch all these felt needs up to even a greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face and hear His voice and feel His touch And know His power. And the answer to all these questions is the same. Every day. There's not a day that goes by that you don't need the Lord in your life. There's not a day that goes by that you don't need to see God's face and hear God's voice. And receive encouragement from the Lord and instruction from the Lord in your life. You need that every day. D.L. Moody put it this way. Some of you may be familiar with the the name D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody once said that a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Let me ask you, is there anyone in this room this morning who eats just one meal a week. I mean, that's it for you. You just eat one meal a week, and you expect that that one meal is going to get you through. It's going to supply the nourishment that your body needs to remain healthy. It's going to give you the strength to be able to do the things that uh, that you must do in life. Anybody who just eats one meal a week? Is there anybody in this room who just takes one deep breath, into their lungs, and expects that that's going to carry, carry, uh, carry you through for the next week. That that'll be enough. That, that that will hold you until next week. Well, of course not. So then how in the world could you possibly think that just one time a week studying the Bible could possibly be enough to sustain you in the Christian life and help you grow to become more like Christ. It's impossible. And yet, if we're honest, based on statistics, that's exactly how most Christians live their life. The only relationship that you have to God's Word, the only time you spend in God's Word, is the time you spend if and when you come to church. You may have your Bible with you today, you may be following along, and that's wonderful. But when we finish up here, many of us are going to close our Bibles, we're going to shut the app, we're going to go home, and we're not going to open the Bible or read the Bible again until next Sunday if we come back. Is it And is it any wonder that we are struggling so in our Christian life? Is it any wonder that many of us are so weak in our faith that we're stuck in our relationship with God, that we're not growing, that we can't get past some of the sins that have Crippled us and plagued us in the past that we always see ourselves falling into temptation that we get that we get all Been out of shape every time the least little thing happens in our life Because we don't have any faith whatsoever that God's going to see us through or carry us through it's because we're not growing And that's got to change in our life Listen, Jesus said That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I'm telling you this morning that just like you need physical nourishment, just like you need to eat right and eat healthy throughout the week in order to be strong, in order to be healthy, in order to do the things in life that you need to do, the same thing is true in your relationship to God and His Word. You have to be in the Word of God every day. And if you're going to do that, you've got to be disciplined. I'm not telling you anything about this is easy. Especially when it comes to trying to establish this discipline in your life. Many of us will feel like everything in the world is stacked against us. And it's because it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle in your life. Listen, if the Word of God is this important to the Christian, and it is, doesn't it make sense that the spiritual adversaries that we have unseen in this world are going to do everything that they can to discourage us, to distract us, and to keep us from the Word of God, to keep us crippled, to keep us weak, to keep us from being who God has called us to be in Christ? Of course, this is a spiritual thing that's going on here. It's a spiritual battle in your life. And so you've got to fight through that, and you've got to commit yourself by knowing that this is so important to my life that I can't be who God would have me to be in Christ if I'm not in His Word, and being more like Christ is the most important thing in my life. And so whatever it, whatever it takes, whatever I've got to do, I'm going to establish this discipline. I mean, who would commit themselves to that with me this coming year? And let me give you some things that I think will help you establish this discipline in your life now I know and I'll tell you like I told the first service I know that there are some people in this room who already have a consistent time in God's Word you've already established the practice of reading God's Word every day you're growing in your faith that's wonderful but please don't check out this morning maybe something that I share something God says in the time that we have together will encourage you and help make that time even Even better in your life make you get more out of the Word of God as you read it and study it But for those for those who are stuck and you're my primary audience this morning I'm talking about those who have had a hard time Establishing the discipline of reading God's Word. I want to speak to you. I want to help you get out of the gate at the beginning of this new year and establish a discipline in your life that I believe No, 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 let me take that back that I know will impact your life as great or greater than anything else You will ever do this new year and that's reading and studying God's Word. So how do you do this? First of all, you need to set a time You need to set a time schedule it Don't fool yourself with a lie that I am going to try to make time in the day to read God's Word and some of you do that I mean that's that that's where some of you are stuck You know, you need to do this. There's a part of you that wants to do this. And you keep telling yourself, uh, you know, I'm going to try to make time in my life. I'm going to try to find time in my life to do this. Listen, you'll never find time. You got to make time. You're going to have to schedule this. Let me, let me just make some suggestions with that. Uh, First of all, don't, don't make it the last thing that you do during the day. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible before you go to bed. In fact, it would be a wonderful thing if the last thoughts that you have before going to sleep would be something that you read uh, just before falling to sleep in the Word of God. But the problem with reading in the evening at bedtime is that by the time you get to the end of your day, you're tired and you're worn out. You're not your best. Uh, Most of us find it hard to concentrate at the end of the day, struggling to keep our eyes open. And then by the end of the day, listen... All the challenges, all the struggles, all the temptations, the opportunities, the decisions of the day, they're already past. The day's already over. And now you're opening up the Word of God to see what God has to say to you. Instead of closing the day with the Word of God and letting that be your primary time, how about starting the day in God's Word? Make it one of the first things that you do. And the Bible encourages this. David said in Psalm 63, verse one: "O oh God, you are my God, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. In other words, David is saying, listen, listen, this is the most important part of my day, is waking up to you, is spending time with you. Listen, if nothing else gets done, I want to make sure that I have spent some time with the Lord. That's what David is saying in Psalm 63. And so we should learn from that. I mean, David was a man after God's own heart. There's much to be learned from a man who knew how to walk with God back in his day. And so think think about and consider starting your day with the Lord. Now, you may need to get up, get a shower first. If you're like me, you may want to drink a bucket of coffee. Amen? For you to get you going. But try your best to begin your day in the Word of God before you get busy with other things. And understand that, that the time that you spend in God's Word in the morning doesn't have to be the only time that you spend in God's Word that day. It may be that that's, that's where you first sit down and read through God's Word, you read a passage in God's Word, and as you're reading in God's Word, something leaps out, and I'll talk about this in just a moment, something leaps out at you, something jumps out, there's a verse that catches your, your, uh, your, your eye or uh, a word that grabs your heart and your attention, And so you just kind of jot that down, maybe make a note about that, and then later on in the day, you find a little bit more time, you sit down, and you kind of open your Bible again, go back and revisit that, think about that a little bit more. The key is just establishing the discipline in your life. Listen, if you're just a beginner, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the Word of God could be the best 15 minutes of your day. I'm telling you. And as this discipline grows in your life, 15 minutes won't be enough. But you got to start somewhere. And I'm not trying to overwhelm anybody by making you think that, oh my, where am I going to find all this time? Listen, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, as busy as some of you are that you can find 15 minutes in your day. You may have to shut something out. You may have to turn something off. But you can find 15 minutes in your day to get in God's Word. And that 15 minutes may just change your life this year every day. So set a time. And then have a plan. One of the things that will help you find a rhythm in studying God's Word is to have a plan that you follow as you read God's Word. I wouldn't suggest just randomly jumping in the Bible by day by day and trying to find a place to start. I would have a plan and try to follow that plan. I tell this to new beginners, to new believers, Listen, most of the time when somebody hands you a book, what do you do? You go to the beginning of the book and say, okay, I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to read it all the way through. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that it's not important to read the Bible all the way through, okay? But I'm just telling you that if you're getting started and you start in Genesis, if you're lucky to make it through Genesis and somehow you get through Exodus, by the time you get to Leviticus, you're going to think to yourself, what in the world Now, there's a reason why Leviticus is in the Bible. There's a reason why the book of Numbers is in the Bible. There's a reason for every part of God's Word. Remember, it's telling a story, and all of it points to Jesus. But if you're just beginning, it'll be hard to wrap your mind around all of that. And so I would encourage you, especially if you're trying to just establish the discipline of reading God's Word, to get into the New Testament and focus on the New Testament for a while until you find your rhythm. As you grow, you can expand, add other parts of the Old Testament into your reading, and I will tell you this morning that we have available for you this year a Bible reading plan that I think would be perfect for new beginners, for people who are trying to establish a rhythm and a discipline in reading God's Word, because it has New Testament readings every day, one chapter, and then it also has a reading out of either the Psalms or Proverbs. And both of those Old Testament books are very relatable they're very personable there's something to be gleaned from psalms and proverbs that kind of speaks to right where you are in life proverbs is a book of wisdom godly wisdom about things that we encounter and we experience and we deal with every single day psalms are songs of worship to god written by people who were in all types of situations and who are very honest and transparent about their struggles Listen, life was not always sunshine for them. Some of them were in dark valleys, wondering, where in the world are you, God? But then they talk about the faithfulness of God and how God got them through. And all of us can relate to that. And God uses that to strengthen our faith. And it's not too late to jump in on our Bible reading plan. And every week we post what we're reading this week. And so you can jump in starting tomorrow. Five days of reading. And then on the weekend, if you got behind, you can catch up. But it's an easy Bible reading plan to follow. And if you don't have one, I would suggest that you jump in with us and read through God's Word this year. Let me tell you something else. As you're reading God's Word, here's how I would approach it. I'm going to give this to you really quick, all right, because I want to finish on time. And all God's people said, yeah, right. Yeah, amen. All right, so here's what I would do. Sit down with God's Word. I've got my plan. First thing I'd do, I, I, I would pray. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to clear your mind, focus your attention, direct your thoughts, and prepare your heart to hear and receive from God what He has for you today. Pray. This is not about checking a box. This is, about, this is not about just, just uh, doing a religious duty. This is about hearing from God. And so ask God to get your heart ready to help focus your thoughts, direct your attention, prepare your heart to receive from Him what He has. Begin by praying. Next, read it. Read what's in front of you. If you're following a Bible reading plan, then read through And There's a, there's a chapter to read. Read through that chapter. If there are a couple of chapters, read through both of those chapters. But read it. And I'll tell you something that I do. I don't know if this will help anybody, but it's something that I do. Because, and my wife will tell you this, I got really bad ADD. So staying focused and staying, keep, keeping my, my, my thoughts uh, clear in moments of solitude, really hard for me sometimes. And so what I do sometimes is I read it aloud. I read it aloud so that I can hear it as I'm reading it. And then sometimes I'll take a Bible app and I'll let the Bible app read it to me while I follow along in the, my copy of Scripture. And I have a hard copy. Listen, I'm not, just a, I'm not a Bible app kind of guy. I have it in case I need it, in case I don't have my Bible with me. But I still like taking my Bible and having my Bible in my hand and being able to mark and underline and, and circle things in Scripture. And so I will follow along as I'm either reading it aloud or someone's reading it to me. It just helps me. And then as I'm going through, it's, 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 almost inevitable there's going to be a verse that's going to leap out in that reading that day that's just going to grab my attention capture my heart my my thoughts are going to be just sort of directed toward that verse or sometimes it's a word in the in the midst of the reading that God uses just kind of grab my attention and so I will write that verse down or write that word down and then I'll begin to think about that throughout the day that goes with me See, because it's not about just reading God's Word and then closing God's Word and forgetting what you've read. God wants it to go with you. God wants to get His Word in you. It's not about just getting you in the Word. It's about getting God's Word in you. And so as you read it, try to seek to understand it. Think about what's going on here. What's the context of the text? A good study Bible would be helpful to you in this, in this regard. But then begin to personalize and internalize what you're reading, Understand that God's not just speaking, God's speaking to you. So what does He want you to see? What does He want you to understand, to know, to be reminded of? And for me, again, I've got to spend some time thinking about that. Like just one sit down, one reading of God's Word really just isn't enough for me. And so I'll sit down, I'll read God's Word, but then I think about what I've read at different points throughout the day. And sometimes I go back and I revisit that, to think about that verse, to look at that verse a little closer, to look at that word a little closer, to see what it is that God may be saying to me through that word, through that verse, that particular day. Sometimes it's a couple of verses. This is meditating on the Word of God. And Scripture says that we ought to meditate on the Word of God. Psalm 1 talks about the godly man or the godly woman. And it says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does meditate day and night. And the picture there is the picture of chewing the cud. Anybody know what it means to chew the cud? Yeah, some of you know. So a cow will eat, eat grass, chew it up, swallow it, then spits it back up in its mouth. Does that bless anybody? Anybody hungry? Spits it back up in his mouth, chewing a little more, swallow, spits it back up, chewing a little more, swallow. It's part of the digestive process. And that's the picture here on meditating on God's Word. You're not just supposed to read the Bible, close the Bible, forget about the Bible. You're supposed to think about what God is saying. And listen, there's a lot in the Bible. And so there's no way that you're going to take everything that God says out of a particular chapter in one set down and it just impact your life every single day. But if you walk away with one thing, if you hear God say one thing in your life each day, that one thing could have an eternal impact on your life. And it could help you grow closer in your relationship with Christ. And so think about what you're reading and then journal it. Now some of you would say, oh, I'm just not a journal-it kind of person. But I'm telling you, it's helpful to keep a notebook, write down something specific that God shows you each day, to write down that verse, write down that word, write down that thought that you had. What is God saying to me today? To, to write it down so that you don't forget it, because if God said it, it's important, and I want to remember it. And I even want to go back and look at it later. And the great thing about journaling, I don't know how many of you, how many of you journal I'm talking about spiritually in your spiritual life, but if you do, the great thing about that is to be able to go back and look later on at where you've been in your relationship with God and some of the stuff that you've been going through and some of the things that you've been through in the past and to see the faithfulness of the Lord, to look at where you were at one point in life life, and the things that you were struggling with and how God gave gave you victory in those areas how God's grown you in your faith, how God has brought you along. Listen, that just just increases your worship. That that makes your praise get a little louder as you begin to think about it. Listen, some of us have forgotten some of the great things that God has done in our life. And you don't need to forget anything that God does in your life. And journaling, journaling helps you not to do that. And so journal it. And then here's the last thing, live it. The goal is not just to be a hearer of God's Word or a reader of God's Word, it's to be a doer of God's Word. James 1.22 says, let us not just be hearers of the Word, let us be doers of the Word also. So how do we apply it? What God shows us in His Word, how do we apply this to our life? What do, we, what, God do, what do you want me to do with that? And as a part of your journaling, as you think about what God is saying to you, I would even write that down. Write it down in the form of a prayer. You know, Thank you, Lord, for what you've shown me today. And here's here's what I'm asking you to help me do with this. What does that look like? If God's calling you to trust Him, trust Him. If God's calling you to surrender something to Him, surrender it. If God's telling you to repent of something, then repent. If God's telling you to love someone that you don't really want to love, love them anyway. If God's calling you to forgive someone for something that you've been holding on to for a long time, forgive them. If God's telling you to go, go. Whatever God's telling you to do, do something with it because that's how we grow. And that's the goal, right? Is to grow in our relationship with Christ. Not just God show us all this stuff God, show me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to live. And then God, help me to do it. Now, I'll tell you this in closing. That what may seem like work to you in the beginning as you establish this discipline in your life of reading God's Word every day, it will soon turn to joy as you discover more and more and more just how needful and how helpful God's Word is in your life. God will give you strength from His Word. God will give you encouragement from His Word. God will give you counsel and instruction from His Word. But best of all, most of all, God will reveal Himself to you in His Word. And as you stare into the glory of Christ every day, by reading God's Word and studying God's Word, as you look at the image of Christ in the mirror, you will find yourself slowly but surely being transformed into the very likeness of Jesus Himself. And I will tell you, I'm not, I'm not guessing or hoping. I'm telling you, I know it to be true that if you will establish the discipline of reading God's word this year, by the time we get to the end of this year, if Jesus doesn't come back, by the time we get to the end of this year, and we start a new year in 2025, you will have grown in your relationship with God. And you'll look a lot more like Jesus than you do right now. I guarantee it if you'll read and study God's word every day. If you were encouraged by today's sermon, leave us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church Martin, visit fbcmartin.org.